Agent Pursuit Business Mastery is produced by CIR Realty and presented by Kirsten Favron and Lindsay Smith. CIR Realty is the largest, most productive real estate brokerage in Alberta, Canada, and has remained independent and Canadian-owned since 1983. Learn more at agentpursuit.com. Enjoy this episode and subscribe for more great content. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Agent Pursuit and I'm here today with a super special guest uh, coming to us where normally in Ottawa, but um, are you are you in Canada right now or are you in Las Vegas or no, in Mesquite? I'm, yeah, I'm in Mesquite, Nevada, Lindsay with my shorts and t-shirt on today. Beautiful. So I want to introduce everybody to Tracy Arnett and, and Tracy, you are just uh, one of the most interesting, compelling and inspiring people that I know. And we wanted to have Tracy come on the meeting because uh, Tracy, uh, we met through uh, our, our network, Leading Real Estate Companies of the World, and we're also members of a network called uh, Aventure. So um, Tracy has built just a phenomenal business and, and a business that I believe people want to model for the lifestyle that you also live. And, and I think that is just the coolest thing. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, but Tracy has a, a successful real estate team that she turned into her own brokerage in Ottawa, which she still runs. And you have now partnered with uh, another gentleman uh, to help the team side, but also to build another brokerage called Innovation Realty. And that's correct? That's correct. Awesome. And I don't know anybody who has more fun, does more for her clients. And when the second you meet Tracy, uh, you know right away why she's been so successful. So we're having Tracy on today to tell us a little about her style of selling and you know, she attributes a lot of her um, uh, success to being able to read people, adapt to their personality, and we're gonna talk a bit about that today. So Tracy, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you, Lindsay, and I know I've been dragging my feet on this. Um, we've been a bit busy over the last six months, so finally made me do this, which is great because uh, I always like to help people, and uh, we've uh, been building a great relationship with CIR Realty um, and having a lot of fun with some referrals back and forth over the past year. So thank you yeah. for letting me have an audience uh, that may help us build our business even more. And we look forward to sending you referrals. As you know, um, I'm actively always looking for referrals for any brokerage across Canada. Perfect, perfect. You're, you're a serial networker and I love it. I love it. And the other thing too is that, uh, Tracy, you actually do uh, coaching and we've recently have it where um, sounds like you'll be working with a couple of our agents as well. And, and I, we're going to talk to you a bit about how you seem to fit this all in um, because you have such a, a diverse life. But let's, let's kick into it right away and tell us about your real estate path, sort of the Reader's Digest version of your real estate path up until today. Okay. So... And, and I, I made extensive notes because it, it does have to be condensed. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I, I think a lot of my success has come from my upbringing and my past career. So my upbringing was a small market garden. Um, we call small back home, 56 acres, 200 acres. I know small in Calgary, Alberta is like 2,000 hectoliters or hectoliters. Yeah. <laughs> so we had market garden and right from day one, um, since grade seven, I've been selling vegetables on the farm and dealing with various types of people. As you know, some like their tomatoes perfect and some are using their tomatoes for canning, right? So yeah. 
as well as we were given the art of upselling on the farm. So people would drive onto our farm, they'd come for a couple baskets of tomatoes, and then they'd leave with a car full of vegetables. Um, and that's something that my mom and dad really instilled in us from day one. If they're at the farm, they're sitting there having a glass of lemonade, they're looking over our pond and we're out there picking vegetables, let's, let's pick more and sell more. So onwards, uh, my mom got into real estate in 1979 and I began riding around in the car with her, listening to her jargon. So that was a really good training tool. She said, go off and do your own career. You're not gonna be a realtor at 18. Nobody will respect you. Go and do something that you have a passion for, which was enforcement. And I ended up uh, luckily becoming a customs officer. So I spent five and a half years on the border. Um, I was recognized as a highly enforced uh, enforcement agent and went on to have a successful career as a customs investigator. As an investigator, you're interrogating, interviewing, questioning, and deciphering what, how the company has, um, has defrauded uh, the government of Canada. You're in court a lot, so you're on the stand a lot, being questioned. Uh, your integrity is being questioned. Your, your uh, marketing material and your presentation had to be perfect. So I've always been one to dot my I's and cross my T's. And as much as I seem like I have 400 projects always on the go, I'm, I'm very good at making sure that information that I have is accurate. And I think that's from my customs background. So reading people on the farm, reading people um, in customs. I mean, I basically had training from grade seven to the age of 35 when I decided to launch my career. So when I got into the business, my first nine months, I sold 33 homes and that was just from the schoolyard and the park and open houses. So I'm, I think I have a sixth sense of knowing uh, what the client may want. Um, I'm also very good at saying, maybe this isn't the time to sell or maybe this isn't what we're looking for and let's get some clarity on it. And I don't mind asking the hard questions. And my agents will tell you, sometimes it's like I ask questions when I'm training them on their interviews and they go, she just brought everything out and we just signed documents and we knew exactly what we were doing, but I would have never asked the question. So I think my, my, my gift is the questioning. You know, it's, um, it's so interesting is you had such a diverse background uh, from the farming days to the customs, the border side but it produced this unique set of skill set that transferred the unique set of skills that transferred directly over to sales. Like who would have thunk? It's like, it's like the slumdog millionaire thing where he had this unique set of circumstances that allowed him to answer all these questions. Um, I, I think that's uh, just phenomenal. So let's go back for a second because you said you did 33 deals in your first nine months. Yeah. And, and, I was like a cowboy. So, so you got some hustle. So tell I, us, where do you find clients initially in your early days? Um, well, that's good. So I started off doing four open houses a weekend. So one to three, three fifteen to five. So from February 5th to the end of May, I did four a weekend. Um, I actually worked out how many deals I had to do to replenish my customs. Um, like I was making $52,000 a year. Stuart and I sat down, we worked it out. I needed to do nine deals 
by the time Royal Page took their cut and everything. So my focus in my first year was just to do nine deals to make sure that we kept our house. And, you know, um, yeah. I, I had a high end die car with a broken windshield and I just got out of the uh, operating room from having major foot surgery. And I had a cast on my left foot. And when I went to get the cast off six weeks later, the steward had duct taped it all up. And the doctor said, wow, is every, it looks like you're walking on it. I said, yeah, I sold seven houses since the last you. And I said, I'm in this career change. And I really needed to make sure that, you know, we didn't lose the house. I guess you, were, you were motivated. I had motivation, yes. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, so I, I, you know, it's funny we talk about open houses, but I just love how you're just, you know, let's let's get at it and do it. And um, and so you obviously beat your goal of nine houses just a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so, at what point did you decide um, I'm going to grow and and then start up a real estate team? Well, yeah. <laughs> I never decided that I wanted to, when I left the government, I wanted to be twice as happy and make half the income. So I was making $52,000 a year, very unhappy, didn't like the culture. The higher they gave me positions, the worse I, I, I had any affection for the government. It was very stifling for my type of personality. So my goal was 26,000. Our first year we made 133,000. And I say we, because Stuart was still working at the government. We had two little kids at home. And I, as you know, hate computers. I hate anything to do with uh, uh, anything that's on a laptop, a cell phone. I, I, I really struggled to make myself uh, astute with that. So Stuart did feature sheets, he did feedback, he did my offers. I have, I embarrassingly tell people, I have never opened up web forms and I never will. <laughs> I don't know how to do an offer because somebody always did it for me. So necessity, necessity really bred my, my growth because I grew up with a mother and she just retired two years ago who, um, had the had the phone at the dinner table who left us like didn't matter she was like a machine when it came to real estate so her idea was clients first my dad second and the kids third so <laughs> it was my husband first kids of course and then my business so i think that's always been a factor in my head is what am i what am i really here on earth for and and not being religious or anything like that but your purpose and your why becomes um, something that everybody should look at because in the end, uh, I volunteered at a hospice for nine years um, wow. in the hospice. People on their deathbed are not talking about their careers. I have sat with many people from ages 30 years to 100 years old, all in their active dying stage. I've never, I wouldn't even know what they did for a living because that was never, ever brought up. So I think, I think me and, and Stuart said it was the biggest transformation with me was, is actually getting to know myself and saying, okay, like, do I want to do this? No, I don't want to do it. I'd walk out Friday afternoons and I'd go, doesn't matter. It's not in a hurry. We're not in a rush. 
So amazing. amazing. I think I think it's necessity. So um, in 2000, I hired my first part-time admin. In 2001, I hired a full-time licensed admin, an agent who was 21 years old, no experience other than our front desk at Royal LePage. And Stuart and I and our kids loaded on an aircraft for the month of September, and I left her with seven offers on the go. When I got back, she was brand new. I'm telling you, two days under her belt. When I got back, she put three deals together. Four of them had fell by the wayside. I picked up two, put them back together in October, and went on to be uh, number 55 in Canada in Royal LePage out of 13,500 agents. Wow. We, so the year that Dominique um, came on board, we did 98 transactions, 33 listings, 65 buyers. And I made a little under 700,000, but I really don't remember that year. Yeah. So I, I hired a coach out of Richard Robbins. And the first thing the coach said to me, and I said, I'm coachable. I hate this job. I don't need 700,000. I was happy with 52,000. Let's get me back in control of my life. And we built a schedule within the first two calls. And he told me to get the buyers out of my car and just be a listing agent and get on a structure. Yes. I said, oh, I love my buyers. We go to coffee. We go out partying. You know, I'm never home. So he says, you're either at home or not at home. So I said, okay, fine. So two of my past clients were going through career transitions, called them in, they became agents. I hired another one right off the street. So let's look at that year. Three brand new agents. I had 28 buyer files. I decided, and I'm, I'm a, on the diving board, pool is empty, no water in the pool. <laughs> I'm saying, okay, worst case scenario. I get fired by these 28 people. Yeah. I can go find 28 new people that don't know me yet. Yeah. Right? So I literally handed out the files like a deck of cards. Ding, 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 ding. Because I said, I don't want to be unfair. I just, I don't care. I don't care how much they're spending or where they're at. Call them up and let them know you're their agent and I'm no longer doing buyers. Okay? No problem. I did 88 listings that year and we did 172 transactions and we went to like 1.5 million. Wow. And I started on my schedule and it stayed till I got out of sales in 2014, 930, 30, Every night home for dinner, the phone was either in the car or in the, in the fridge and I could just focus. And once the girls went off to university, I took my 7.30 night appointment out and made my 3.30 a 4.30 appointment and only did three a day. Wow. So I really started, and I never worked Fridays, and, and people say, and this is unusual for me to work a Friday, even coaching. Thank you. Yeah. To do a coaching call on Friday. I haven't worked Fridays since I got in the business, and I don't plan on it. Yeah. So, I just get up and I get to do whatever I want to do and I maintain what I have. Wow, Tracy, that's a, that's unbelievable. Now take back for a second here because 
you and I talked about this earlier where, and you just gave an example of it. You, you had these seven offers, four of them fell apart. You parachuted back in, you were able to save two of them. Tell us about that because that sounds like something that um, in your career you've been really good at. Like you can, someone might make an attempt with a client, but it doesn't really come together. Then you come in and what is the, what is the difference uh, that sets you apart where you were able to save those transactions or work with the people where somebody else might have struggled? Yeah, and one in particular, I remember it like one of my, uh, you know, you have those amazing deals where you structure it out and you go, wow, look what I did. That's amazing. You know, it gives you that gratification. So we had the buyer and we had the seller at the time and it was basically a lot. So it was an old house on the lot that the builder wanted to build a three-door row unit. So when I'm away as well, I'm away. So my phone is where, where it should be, and that was with this young agent. Yeah. I'm one of these people that I like people to fail in order for them to learn. So, and the only way, and she's a very, all my agents that have ever worked for me, I can tell you are in the top 1% of most of the firms that, are, that they're working for. Unbelievable. And, and the general, the general manager who's joined me used to say they, they should have a training school at my office because every agent that came out of my shop was like amazing, amazing to work with, easy to deal with. Paperwork was exceptional. So we had even joked at one time that I would do a training school and then people would come through for two years as an apprenticeship. And then we would find them the right home to the bigger brokerages. You never know. They still happen. Um, so the one deal in particular, Lindsay, um, was just sitting down with the seller, then going and sitting down with the buyer and saying, look, you know, here are the questions. Do you want to sell? What are you going to do with that money once we sell? You have two young kids at home and you're a lawyer and you're starting your law practice. Do we really need this old rickety house with these crap neighbors, uh, crap tenants in it? right? And setting the tone for massaging that maybe we don't have to be so rigid on price because if we took that money and bought you a bigger house for your nice family to live in, might be a better thing to do, right? Now, that lawyer went on to have two more kids that were twins, so thank God we wow. got, got them into the bigger house because their family grew quite quickly. The builder themselves, you know, the builder, they're always looking for the dollar. So I said, what if you, what if you lived in one, sold two or kept one for the market to increase and then rented one, like rent one, live in one. So we have a tax savings. We have a rental that we're holding for a long term when the market increases and we'll sell one to free up some cash because she was doing a three-door row. Okay, let's put that down on paper. What does that look like? So do we need to nickel and dime my guy over here who's got a young family who was going to do the same thing you were going to do, but he doesn't have any time anymore. So we all mm -hmm. have great ideas. And you know what? That lady went on to do that. She went on to live in one, so we had tax-free savings. She sold her big house. Then we rented one and she kept it for a number of years because our charts in Ottawa, our market goes up 
every year exponentially. So a lot of it is we're not selling a house. We're actually trying to figure out what motivates both the buyer and the seller. And it, can we get them together on the thought process? Right. Now, if you can't, then you got to know when to just say, okay, fine. I did what I did. You want to sit there overpriced. I'm fine with it. You know, I'll just grab buyers off of it and we'll, we'll make a hundred thousand off of it. Yeah. So that one really sticks out in my mind because it was, it was a really good deal in the end and I felt great about it. And yeah. I know Dominique learned a lot because she was just looking, obviously she was a month in the business or three days looking at numbers, right? Totally. Yeah. And yeah, I that's a, it's, it's super cool because it was sort of this creative win-win um, that's involved in, in everybody and the, the, the creative solutions that some people just don't think about it. And being an expert at what you do and having the knowledge and the experience, you know, played into that where you were able to see the potential there um, based off of what works best. Uh, that's phenomenal. That's a great story. Let's, um, let's switch gears for a second here because one of the things that we sat down and we talked about was you do a great job of matching your style to the client and, and, um, you know, recognizing their personalities and, and using that, um, to your advantage. What do you mean by that? Well, my personality is a high I with a high D. So when we get into the disc profiling yeah. conversation, we can talk about what kind of character I am. So <laughs> it's being able to recognize who you're sitting in front of. And one of my most favorite clients, um, they're still very good clients of mine. I was like nervous for their interview. So two lawyers sat me in the middle of their living room and they sat on the couch and they had notepads. So when I arrived, I didn't know them from a hole in the ground. And uh, of course they didn't want to go around. They didn't want to show me the house, which makes me feel very uncomfortable because if they talk about the house, how am I supposed to answer it? But in those situations, when they don't, when they're not showing you their house, and they just want to talk to you before they show you your house. That is my worst nightmare client. <laughs> so when I'm doing training with my agents, I tell them, when you are dealing, and these are high SCs, so C is your accountant, your engineer, your lawyer. Your S's are your admins, your school teachers. They're all going to question you inside and out. They're even going to... They're going to question you so many different ways, the same question, because they want to know that they can trust you before they start talking to you about their personal environment. They're not me where you walk in my front door and I'm like, I got the coffee on, I got dinner on, let's sit down, meet my family, take the tour by yourself, come on, sit down, part of my family. Yeah. Now, if you were... Uh, a C type of agent and you started talking facts and numbers to my type of personality, we do this. We go like, shut this off. I don't even care. I've already done my research. I already know. I have picked you for a reason to be at my dinner table. Don't you worry. I've done my homework. Now put me in front of the two lawyers, pen and paper. So what do you do? You 
emulate their their voice you emulate their hands you emulate taking notes i'm not a i'm not a big note taker so but you better you better look like you're taking notes and you better acknowledge that that is a good question yeah uh, that is excellent i have never had that happen to me before let me think about that do not answer these type of people with something you're making up because they want you to say it's a good question i don't really know the answer can i get back to you with the accurate answer tomorrow and you better be using accurate information you better be dotting your i's crossing your t's and you better not be making things up so don't go in there like you're a cowgirl or a cowboy because they are going to get They'll, they'll be reading right through the lines. This person doesn't know much. And I love, I love what you're saying where, you know, if you look at this grid and I don't really have it on the screen here, but um, you know, in the top left-hand corner, you got the D top right-hand corner, you got the I bottom left, you have the S and bottom uh, right. You have the C right. you're talking about a situation where you're almost polar opposites from some of these people, or maybe it's D I S C. Anyway, the, the point is that you're, you're in as, opposite situation you can but because of your awareness you recognize that and you're able to adjust and adapt so for those of you that aren't familiar with um, um you know in the audience here that aren't familiar with the disc concept it's uh d-i-s-c um and then each one has a personality type associated to it the d is they call it dominant the i is like an influencer um s being uh stable or um you know uh secure uh, C being compliant, um, consistent is another sort of way to, um, you know, look at that. But uh, these really manifest people, and you mentioned that you have it where you can have two different types of personality styles. Um, some is natural, some's ad adaptive. But so tell us about your style, the DISC. Um, again, you alluded to it. You said you're you're a high I with some D. Um, tell us a little bit about that um, in terms of you. That, that's correct. That, that's how you would describe yourself. Oh yeah, I, I actually just did my uh, disc profile this past week just to double check that I'm still a, an I ID, right? <laughs> Perfect. And 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 as my husband always says, I trained myself to be a C because, like, I think because of the business portion of it, um, my accountant once said to me, "You you would have been a great accountant because you really understand the accounting of businesses and and that avenue." But I don't think I would have been good friends with some C's, right? Because it's yeah. so dry and so accurate. But my personality is I've already done my research. I already understand. So if I'm buying a car or dealing with insurance, just uh, give me the facts. I'm very decisive. Um, and let's do the deal. Just send the paperwork over. A D, a high ID is going to be looking at a big trust factor right from the get go. So don't start off opening up your laptop and doing a presentation. Don't start opening up your listing presentation. So one thing that I really got good with my personality is they usually have a cocktail in their hand or a coffee or they're throwing down a donut or they're rushing the kids to the soccer yard or whatever, right? They're always busy. I always say to them, look, how much do you know about me? How much do you know about my company? And do you want me to do a full-fledged presentation or do you want to hit facts as we go through the presentation? Right? Yes. 
and let them tell you exactly how you how that presentation is going to go so you're in a listing presentation which i think is like really important for people to really grasp who they're dealing with because Stuart and i've had presentations where they're giving us charts and this and that and my husband is telling me and this is a while back before i had my license get that person out of our house <laughs> telling me that while the person's still talking two hours later <laughs> so what did we do we phoned up our past agent and said look we want to get on the market can you come over this afternoon and have a glass of wine with us and get this thing on the market yeah and that other gentleman spent two and a half year two and a half hours with us telling us all this stuff we didn't care about wow wow we wanted a bigger house end of story what's the what's the personality type of your husband uh funny enough uh and you've met stuart you know stuart he's a high d wow there you go sure he we did his profile a few times and uh he's a very quiet guy but he doesn't want any of this uh presentation and charts and stuff like that come in tell us let let me feel the trust let yeah. me inevitably hire you and let's get this on the road, right? Yeah, a lot of gut feeling, you know, yeah. decisions. So let's let's do a let's do a quick summary here for the people at home because you and you've alluded to you've given such good practical examples um, all the way through here. But let's go through them um, just sort of one by one, a little bit quicker here. And let's say, all right, how do you know you're dealing with a D, and how would you adopt your style to accommodate that? Okay, um, so a D is always not going to have a lot of time. So you're going to have to ask them very quickly about how much time you do have. Um, what it is, uh, they like to have um, different options for them. So, um, Lindsay, I know that you and Kirsten want to move up in real estate, but do you think this is going to be the time that we sell? Or do you want to make, wait until the market may go up? So you're always giving them different options and thought processes so they understand that you understand that you're trying to solve something for them, but in a very quick and decisive way. They you also the results for them. That's nice. They like to be in control, so you have to let them think they are in control. Okay, so it's like, would you like to review the feature sheet when they when we have that ready for you? How? What have I always ask? What's their past experience with an agent? Um, because usually they've had issues. So a yeah. D may have had issues in the past with their agents and they may talk about it openly. You don't want to be the third agent they're talking about. So control the situation, be decisive with them and come to the table with some solutions. And if you're sitting there, I love D's because it's like, you know, the interview's over. Are we ready to do paperwork? Yeah. Now, the D's will sign paperwork even if they have two other agents they're supposed to be interviewing because they have made up their mind that they don't need to interview two more because they're going to go with you. Now, yeah. if you don't read those cues and you don't understand your D, you're going to probably, because if somebody else comes in two days later and profiles that D and, and gets them on paper because they don't have a lot of time and they want to get things done and they've made their decision and the first thing i know about my d's when i have them working for me is their offices look like it's a chaos going on 
Um, there's papers all over the place, um, but they're doing deals all the time. Yeah. Your D is just bringing them in. Now, sometimes you really have to check their paperwork because the Ds can be a little bit sloppy, but we love them anyways. <laughs> I've probably got a few Ds in our brokerage that uh, we oh, should yeah. take a look yeah. at. Okay, so, so go yeah. ahead, please. Go ahead. And they will want you to show up professionally. They will want a professional interview. And sometimes if you can get them, you know, at your office, and we try to get it, you know, if we know their D's and we're having trouble with maybe getting an offer together because they have an idea, we'll get them into our environment so we can control them and they can't control us. And that's a big key um, that I really train my agents is if you're having a hard time getting a deal together and it's been going on for a week or two days or three days, Get them out of their environment because they're controlling you. Get them into your environment and control them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take away from that emotional control. Oh, so. interesting. Interesting. Okay. So the dominant, driving, um, quick decision maker. Um, they're 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 quick to judge. Have the facts there. Um, you're ready. They've already judged you, and they've said, okay, you know, let's get this thing done. They want things done fast. Let's move on to the eyes. Um, eyes are the influencer. Typically, the, the, the gregarious you think of, um, they're all going, I can't, when I say gregarious, uh, I, I think of the picture of you in the dictionary. Um, so <laughs> buy it. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget, we went to this, um, we're at this Aventure conference and it was in Winnipeg, my very first one. I didn't know you. Uh, and we were at this gentleman's house, one of the most amazing houses I've ever been to. And I was talking to one of your agents, and it was uh, Jake at the time. And we're, we're sitting there and I'm like, oh, you know, where's, um, so Tracy Arnett, I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, you know, well, uh, is she here right now? And he's like, oh no. He's like, you'll know when Tracy's here. <laughs> so, 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 and the second you came up a little bit late, you came in and it was just like this tornado hit the whole scene and you knew everybody and it was, it was great. And it was, it was a really cool thing. So let's, let's move on to the eyes and say, how do you know when you're dealing with an eye and how do you adapt your style? Well, like I said, if you're at their house, they're going to show up with a glass of wine in their hand, right? Yeah. Have a coffee. They're going to want to take you into the kitchen. Um, you're going to, so I'm a high eye. I really do well with obviously your own type, right? The eyes are going to want to meet you at a restaurant. They're going to have a drink after work. They're going to want to go have appies. They're going to ask you to go to a hockey game. They're going to be your best friend from day one. Okay. Yeah. So, they're going to tour you their house. They're going to talk about the family. They're going to talk about this. You're going to be sitting there going, are we talking about business? Do they want to sell their house? Right. Mm -hmm. so, S and a C are going to be going, okay, I'm trying to control this person. Right. Because I want to do the interview. Okay. Forget about the interview. They're not there. They, they, they already know how much their house is because they've already talked to 15 neighbors. They've went and done every open house in the neighborhood. They probably have every feature sheet that was ever in the neighborhood. Um, they organize the street party. They are on committees. They do volunteer work. They're always on the go. So what is it that you want to do? How do you serve an eye, right? You slow them down. That's great. We're going to have so much fun, Tracy, with your house on the market. This will be a blast. And then we'll go out, we're going to find a house. And while we're doing that, we're going to stop at these pubs along the way and do a pub. <laughs> whatever it is, right? Yeah. 
really have to, and they're high energy. So don't go in there and do an interview in like a monotone voice, have some, and I've heard it from when we lose out on listings and I follow up with the people, I'll say, so what happened? And they'll say, well, they didn't seem excited about my house. They didn't, they seem to be really low key. So when you're dealing with an eye, you have to be excited. You have to engage in their activity. You have to be out of your shell, hyper about everything. Not so much that it's fake, but oh my God, you did this renovation. Tell me a little bit about your contractor. Well, they're going to have already been downhill skiing with them away on a weekend. Like yeah. your eye though, in your database, if anybody, I'm going to give you one big tip, take 10 of your eyes out of your database, wine and dine those people and you'll never have to look for business again. It's true. They're the influencers in your database. They've introduced you to probably 80% of the people that you know and man is that ever true because they just they just talk and, and for some people that are on the call here or watching this or listening to this this is a this is stressful to them because they're naturally introverts yeah. so you got to come out and you got to sort of be a bit of a chameleon i always say it's like there's seven billion people in the world you can't have all these people adapt and change to match us we do have to adapt and change um to work with other people um okay let's keep on moving on uh an s um, how do you know you're dealing with an S? How would you adapt to their style? My S's are all my admins. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. All top admins are your S's. So I really know how they deal because I deal directly with my admins all the time. And I love it. Like, you can't talk fast with an S because they digest things a lot slower. You have to be very articulate about what you're saying and how all the steps are going to fall in place and how you're going to help them through this awful process that they have envisioned in their mind that could go sideways, right? Mm -hmm. We're the ones that are going to say, should I sell my house first or should I buy first? Okay, let's talk about that. Here are the pros and the cons. They love that. Pros and cons. Here's worst case scenario. These are words I would be using with them. Can you, can you stomach the worst case scenario or should we do this way? Which way is going to work best for you? We want to protect your family. We want to ensure that this is a smooth process. These are all words that I would be using. Now, you're going to talk slow and you're going to talk non-excitable. So your eyes, you have to dial it down. Yeah. When I get there and I have to dial down myself, that is like, I have to subconsciously think <laughs> people don't want excitable Tracy, okay? Yeah. They don't want me slamming deals together and, you know, they don't want that. Now, one thing that the S's love is they love my Volvo wagon because what does that, that spells to them? Security, stability. What, what else do they like? They like the fact that you're going to talk about their family. Your experiences are going to help them. So yeah. really tell them, I have bought and sold in this type of market. It is very stressful. I understand. That's how I treat these people very quietly. Okay. Now, school teachers are asses. And they know everything. They're even going to, they have your feature sheet done for you. Of course they would. Right? 
So your S's, I always involve them in all our paperwork, all our feature sheets, where you want your lockbox, where you want your sign put. What, what do you think we should do? Because they are the type of people that will administer all of this for you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I love, I love, I love how you said it's um, everything you're doing is painting the scenarios and how they can feel safe and trustworthy through the process. Like you're thinking it through. It's well thought out. Um, you have a process that you work with. And I want to, I want to clarify something here too. You can have any one of these personalities. We often think of uh, salespeople as being the outgoing, gregarious uh, type. And there's, you can get some great results from that. And there's certain professions that do attract that. But I think of, um, you know, lots of our group uh, from Ninja Selling, we have a gentleman named Don Tennyson that comes in. And I consider Don like this S and he's, he's very stable and does his stuff. And he built a monstrous business. Um, by doing that. But then again, you have to be able to adapt as well. So let's, let's wrap up the, the disc piece here and tell us about the C's. Um, sometimes my worst nightmare. Um, I'm not, sort of like the DI. And um, so, so tell us about the C's. How do you accommodate to that? Well, I'm a very statistical person. So when I get a C, so you're there, you're sitting there and they've got that engineer ring on. Yikes. They do. <laughs> First of all, they don't trust you. Mm -hmm. and building trust with a C is going to come in time. You're not doing it at the dinner table. Yeah. So now, obviously, you have to be careful when you've got two C's sitting in front of you, like my two lawyers, right? And they're just rapid firing. Now, those people have bought and sold with me a couple times. They would never go anywhere else. They is, they're as far from me as like the end of the earth. Yeah. So the C's, they don't trust you. To build trust with them, you better know your stuff inside and out. So one of the biggest things that I've really been training over the last three or four years in our brokerage, we have all the information in the world to access. Before you're sitting with your client, I want you to do a Google workup on them. I want you to do a Facebook workup on them. I want to do a LinkedIn workup on them. I want you to know before you arrive at that meeting what type of presentation you're giving. And when you're talking to these people, if they're engineers and you don't have the facts and you don't have charts and you don't have a presentation, they are not working with you. Because as far as they're concerned, you haven't done your homework. So. We have a pre-list kit that goes out beforehand. The, the C's are going to read it. They're going to have highlighted stuff. They're going to have things tagged in it. They're going to question you about your charts. And I always say, I am here for the next two hours, and I'd love to do a full presentation. Is that something that you have time today for me to do? They love it. So That's awesome. That's and I love how you guys um, – even the fact of sending the pre-list package, I'm sure it has a variety of information in it and everything that you're talking about, it'll speak even to the different personality types, but you'll have the eyes who probably just like, Oh no, I didn't get a chance to read it. You know, let's have a drink. We can talk about it. <laughs> in the envelope on their dining room table and they swear to God they're going to read it someday. And some of the eyes sometimes just give it back and say, I don't need to read it. Yeah. Yeah. I, tr I trust you. I trust you. We, you know, we, we hung out that time and I got, I got to tell one more story here because, um, you know, as, as a perfect example of an eye, so Kirsten and I are in Ottawa for this conference 
and we're like, hey, you know, maybe we should go for lunch with uh, Stu and Tracy. And and all of a sudden, it's like we're in the car, we're we're on the two hour tour, or the 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 five or six hour tour out to the lake, Thousand Islands, stopping at the pubs along the way, the coffee shops, everything else. We had an awesome day, but there was never a hint that it was going to be a one hour lunch and then come in. We got the most amazing tour of auto. We had amazing conversation, got to know you and Stu um, at, at another level. And pretty soon you guys are back in Calgary. We're golfing. You have your, your daughters in Calgary. Like it, was, it was just this, you can, you can just feel it how, um, how people want to interact. And I have very different relationships with other people. So Tracy, you've internalized this so, so well. And I love how you have played your strengths with this. Um, I, I want to, um, you've given us such some amazing examples of, of how this has helped you in your career. And I want to shift gears uh, away from DISC for, for one final question for you. And that is that, so I don't think you've ever been an agent who's done an average amount of business. Um, but let's just say you got to put yourself in pretend land and you, from your coaching, you, you've been here. But you have an agent doing this average amount of business that would like to take their career to the next level. Um, based off your experience, what advice are you giving somebody uh, that might be in that position? Well, and, and that's a good question. And it was one that made me think because obviously I have 10 agents that work on our team. And I also coach um, seven paid clients. I used to coach 15, but I've had to drop some of my coaching clients due to the fact that I've got my, my poker in a lot of fires right now. Yeah. Um, so I do work with a lot of agents that are average that want to take it to the next level. And I said, you know what? The first thing is you personally have to believe that you can take it to the first, the next level. So mindset, where's your mindset? So it's like a diet. I'm my, my weight goes up 10, 15 pounds, like a yo-yo. What do I do when I want to get myself back on track? For seven days, I, I really look at how much food intake and when I'm eating and what's happening. Yeah. Seven days, your agent honestly has to mark what are they doing during the day, what activities are working, what activities are not. Majority of problems in today's environment is they're spending too much time on their email, too much time on their Facebook, too much time on the social media. Number one, call your database. Oh, I don't want to call my bad database. Get an accountability partner that hasn't called their database. Make it fun. So we're going to call our database for two hours a day. I just had one of my agents. They spent the last 51 days calling their database. They have 23 appointments and eight signed listings already. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. When you're, when you're talking about like, you know, when you're talking about these basics and, and you actually, you, you've done a fantastic job with uh with your 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 online stuff i mean i get your emails i i I'm, I'm on that and it's a fantastic job and the stuff you're talking about you did four open houses a weekend you called your database and you're telling your agents to call your database and the results from it by just following through have been phenomenal yeah well and the other thing too Lindsay, is and the first thing that a coaching client will say to me i don't want to call my database because i haven't called them in five years first of all they're not waiting for your call Second of all, how many times have you seen one of your past clients listed with somebody else and you ask yourself, how did that happen? Well, because you didn't call them, right? So number one, I was, and I'm going to give you a short synopsis here. I was looking to buy a Volvo. 
I had bought it off the showroom in Ottawa. They have my name. They have my company name. <coughs> Bless you. They Thank have you. My, they have my business phone number. It was 12 years old, and I had never received a call from the Volvo dealership in Ottawa to sell me a car. I found a car on Auto Trader that was out of Edmonton and had them ship it to me. Okay, had somebody phoned me from Volvo one, three, five, seven, ten years, I would have just told them, bring it over, yeah. sign papers, and I'm done. Now I bought a car sight unseen. They shipped it. They did my financing, and it was the best transaction I've ever had. Had Would I have bought in Ottawa? Yes. Would somebody call me to service me? You're not calling them as a sales rep. You're calling them because you have a service. Yeah. Your service is to sell their house, they have three to seven people that they know that are going to buy and sell in a year. So if you're out doing social media and you're out doing stuff and spending money on not your database, forget it. I have 11,000 people in my database, 2,500 of them I know personally. My database is like, I know how much money I can make every month just on my database. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how that's just accumulated over time. It's like you, you didn't start with 11,000 people in your database. And even in the first year is showing you did 33 transactions. First time. Like that's, a, those numbers are insane, insane. So, I mean, I just, uh, Tracy, that is, that's such good advice, especially coming from someone that went out there. Your goal was to make 52,000, uh, <laughs> or 20, like 20, whatever it was, it was unbelievable. And, um, you know, you, you accomplished that and, uh, it's such such good advice. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing all of that with us. You're welcome. This has been fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, your um, agents, uh, even if they take one little nugget away from this, I, I always think it's important that yeah. it doesn't matter how much you get from this. It's it's how it could change somebody's business. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that is outstanding. Well, you know, everyone, I, I know that. Um, Tracy speaks for herself, you know, the knowledge and um, the depth of experience and uh, Tracy, good luck with um, innovation realty. Good luck with Tracy or net realty. Um, good luck with your coaching. Uh, uh, good luck with um, everything. I mean, you, you built this incredible lifestyle and you set boundaries and you're, you're a true inspiration. So uh, thank you again for sharing with us. Always a pleasure. Awesome. So uh, everyone, that's uh, today's episode of Agent Pursuit. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and anywhere on you get your podcast, you'll be able to download this episode on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are available. So again, a big thank you to Tracy Arnett, and we'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thanks, Lindsay. Take care. Thank you.